Hey, what's going on? Nick Kirby here. Welcome to Chatterbox Reds, proudly sponsored by DSC Commodities. Coming up in just a minute, myself and Trace Fowler talk to all things Reds on Chatterbox Reds Live on YouTube on Tuesday night. But before we get to that, I wanted to tell you about our proud sponsor, Deep South Commodities. DSC is a leader in renewable commodities for biofuel production, specializing in used cooking oil collection, aggregation, and sales. Visit www.deepsouthcommodities.com for more information. Thanks, as always, to our friends at DSC. All right, without further ado, here is myself and Trace Fowler. All right, all right, all right. Welcome into another edition of Chatterbox Reds. Hopefully, uh, we will continue to get get blessed with content, uh, things to talk about throughout Major League Baseball. Things should be heating up here relatively soon, you'd like to think, because the man, the myth, the legend that was supposed to start the domino, that domino fell over the weekend, Nick. Uh, Shohei Otani, I'm sure we'll get into him. He is the first thing on the, the, the get down. But as always, I'm supposed to be a nice guy and ask you how you're doing, so I'll do that first. Trace, I'm doing well. Good to be uh, back with you. Uh, we, we had like one seven-hour show last week, but uh, nice to be back in a little bit little bit more of a routine. We'll kind of see if uh, Nick Crawl and company will allow us to stay in a routine or not. Correct. Yeah, that's what it all comes down to, isn't it? That and uh, it takes two to tango in free agency sometimes, and obviously from a trade perspective, um, it takes two teams to tango. So we shall find out if that's going to be the case or not. As always, thank you guys for watching. Um, all right, I um, I got to be honest, Nick. I started a day off. I was in a bad mood. I got myself into a position. I got myself into a position later in the evening where I continued to become frustrated with the landscape that is in sport. I went to my my eight year old's third grade little holiday recital. They sang some carols. I watched all these kids not sing that well, but it was a blessing nonetheless. It was just enjoyable, and I thought, you know what? Maybe things aren't so bad after all. So I, I'm back in great spirits thanks to those third graders. So shout out to Grayson and all those third graders for getting me back in a better mood. But I'll be honest, most of my bad mood comes from the sports world in general, not that we need to be a soapbox here and sit here and complain about everything. But I feel like I'm that meme right now, Nick, uh, where the, the you got the dog sitting in the middle of the room and just everything's on fire around him. And, and, and the meme, obviously, is it's fine. Uh, I'm a big sports fan, and there's just there's just seems to be greed everywhere. Um, and I'm not suggesting that 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 by any means what Shohei did is greed. Um, more or less, the golf world, and more or less, the transfer portal, and more or less the state of California or the state of California, the state of Florida now suing the college football playoff committee. So I don't know, man, the Otani news is obviously the thing that most people will obviously care about on, on this show because it's chatterbox reds and it pertains to baseball. So we'll stick to that. Otani $700 million. I'll say that again, $700 million contract calls for him to be paid only 2 million a year, Nick for the next 10 seasons. That's $680 million, if you're keeping count, deferred until the end of the deal. Now, Nick, you're smarter than I when it comes to some of this stuff. I'm obviously a casual to a certain extent when it comes to these things. I'm not naive to what this means, but I really don't know 
I'm trying. Will you cheer me up on this, or are you just going to be the same? You're you're, you're going to be pissing in the same pot as I am because I'm not very happy about this. If we're being honest, uh, I don't think I'm maybe as far gone as you. I don't think this is good by any means. But uh, let me kind of walk you through what matters to the Reds because I don't give a how much Shohei Otani's making. I don't care how much the Dodgers are paying him. It doesn't matter at all to me. It, what matters is how can the Dodgers construct their roster around him right. yeah, because that's what matters to me. So what, what really matters here is basically half of his 70 million, a little more than half of his $70 million contract counts towards the collective bargaining tax. So it's not like the, he's only making $2 million a year, yes, but it's still like for the taxing purposes, uh, which if you I don't want to go all the way down the, the, the rabbit hole of that, but if you, you go over a certain number, um, teams start getting taxed and teams try to stay under that luxury tax. It kind of works as like a, a soft salary cap. And the, the further you go into the luxury tax, the more penalties you have, which don't include just money. They also include draft picks, which we know is very important at baseball. So $46 million is, is still included in that. So basically instead of, $70 million, uh, they have uh, a free um, $24 million to play with each year. So that's what, what matters here. Uh, it, it's this is just it's such a weird situation. It's like Otani's like the only player that I think would ever agree to something like this just because of how much he's making in endorsements um, from overseas and everything else. He's already made so much money in his career, more than most people make before they go into their first big contract. Um, it's, it's a loophole in the sport. Uh, it's not good for the sport because it's, it's just allowing the, the richer teams just to be even richer. I don't fault Otani for this. I think it's a good like move in his, you know, mind to make the team better and all those kind of things. I don't really blame the Dodgers for this. If I was a Dodgers fan, I'd want my team to be exploiting the rules too, too. Right. I mean, but it's definitely something that needs to be addressed. And my biggest fear is, is when the next uh, uh, collective bargaining agreements ends, which I believe is 2026, uh, is this just going to be another thing to add to an already contentious situation between the Major League Baseball Players Association and the owners um, and uh, make another massive, long, ugly lockout? Yeah, I'm not going to go down that path quite yet, but I mean, I'll be honest. I think when you hear that deal and you hear how they constructed it and you realize that... Nick Senzel is 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 the same amount on the books as Shohei Otani. There's a problem. I mean, there is a clear issue. It, it, it's not. This isn't even up for debate. This isn't. This isn't uh, like my opinion or this person's opinion. You can call it whatever you want. I guess. I guess from a from an objective standpoint, it is my opinion. But the fact of the matter is, it's not right. And and it, and if this if this if this shows itself to where and again. I said this before. It may not matter at all. This might not even be a talking point, right? It, it's almost like a bad call in the game that you forget about the bad call because it didn't affect the total outcome of the game. But if that team would have lost, you would have gone back and said, well, you remember that call? That's kind of my, my, my point with this a little bit here is that if the Dodgers are able to construct a roster that just sheerly dominates the sport. Now, we, can all, we, we all know that this sport, like many... Like unlike most other sports, I do think that there is some parity just the way that the game is in and of itself, right? It's it's not like maybe the NBA where if you had literally the five best players, you're 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 never gonna probably lose. 
I, this this sport will allow you to have some of the best players, and we've seen it with the Angels before. But my point to you, Nick, is, is if 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 they find a way to dominate the sport, and they've already been somewhat dominant, but if they dominate, dominate, and they win five, call it, well, we won't say five, that's crazy, three World Series in the next six years, or whenever you said that bargaining agreement's up again, there's going to be more people than than, pe- than than people realize on the side of owners. Do you know how hard that is? Do you know how hard it is to get the public to side with billionaires? It's it's really hard yeah. to do, and I think that that will actually happen because at some point, like this has to be somewhat equitable. And we're not going to sit here and complain all night about oh, look at us, we're the, you know we're the we're the low man, and we're getting we're getting dunked on, and we can't win, and this that and the other. The Reds the Reds still very much can win. It's just somewhat tiresome, I guess. You know what it feels like in a way, Nick. I, I used this example the other day. Is like. I feel like we're, uh, and I don't want to pick on any Mac schools, but I'll just use them as a whole. It feels like we're a Mac football team, right? And we're playing in this league that that we all are in the same league. We all can go to the college football playoffs theoretically. Like we all are in the the the, the bowl series. But as soon as we have a great player, they're going to transfer somewhere else. And as 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 soon as we might go undefeated, they're going to complain because of the, something else. It's like. I don't know, man. And maybe I'm being a little overly sensitive about this whole thing, but it's just crazy to me that a guy's going to defer that much money, and that's part of the rules. But, all right, that's here nor there. Nick, uh, let's get back to the Reds. I think that's what most people care about on this show. Um, Let's just do one quick thing really fast. Uh, We kind of got ourselves in a situation with the Reds where they made up, I don't want to say a lot of moves, but they made some moves quickly, right? On the front end of free agency, and when you look back at it and all of the names that are going to get signed, they signed some guys early. And maybe, I don't want to say we rushed through it, but just as a quick recap here, um, let's run through the Reds offseason so far. And then obviously we'll get into uh, we'll get into the only guy that seems to pop up on every single show, and that is Jonathan India. Yeah, it was a lot of moves at once. And then right around Reds Fest as well, which kind of threw a little bit of wrench at us just with like, you know, me traveling. So I thought it might be good to just kind of recap where we're at at this point. Uh, of course, uh, Jamer Candelaria, that's the the biggest splash so far. Three years, $45 million contract. He's got a club option for a fourth year. A starting pitcher, relief pitcher. We'll, we'll see how the Reds use him. Uh, Nick Martinez, two-year, $26 million contract. And then Emilio Pagan, the reliever, He's got a two-year, $16 million contract. A couple other no, maybe notable minor league signings, at least of late. Uh, Eric Gonzalez, a shortstop. He's, he has quite a bit of major league experience, um, some with the Pirates, some with the Guardians. Uh, Mark Mathias, he was a second baseman with the Brewers last year, and the Reds were able to recently re-sign uh, Connor over to into a minor league deal. Reaver San Martin and some others as well. But uh, that's uh, kind of where we're at. I, I do have a question for you, Trace. I thought this might be an interesting thought exercise on this of those three deals rank them one through three which one you like the most which one you like the least it it doesn't have to be like you hate any of them but just rank them one through three um i would say jamie is number one martinez is two and emilio's three Listen, I, I, would, I, I, I don't. Am I close to you or what? Yeah, I have gone three. I mean, I, I, I think a reliever at eight million dollars. I don't think it's a bad contract just because it's a two-year deal. I don't think there is a whole lot of bad contracts that are short 
contracts. Yeah. Um, and I've been saying that forever, but uh, I would actually have Martinez number one. I, I think, I think I like Candelario, but I think Martinez was like the best fit for the Reds. Uh, I just love that he can start, that he can relieve. Uh, I, I just, he's like a, uh, a new and improved Ben Lively, which the Reds need. They need that guy um, desperately for next year. So I think he's the best fit. I like Candelaria a lot. Uh, the more I look into him, the more I like him. Uh, the more a couple uh, dingbats on Twitter decide to uh, crap on him, the more I like him too. Uh, and, and the more I'm going to be excited about uh, uh, his season and uh, hoping he can uh, uh, prove a couple people wrong. I, I do think he's going to be a bullpen guy though. I guess that leads me to the point that I do think they're going to go get some more help uh, from a rotation standpoint. How they do it, that is yet to be determined. They're trying to do it, though. I mean, there's no doubt about it. If there's smoke, there's fire, and there's smoke what seems to be every week about how the Reds are in discussion with this team about what they what it would take to get this player, and those players always are obviously front-end starters. Um Candelario is this. I've seen everything under the sun. And you know what? Social media is such a such a brutal place to try to construct any kind of reasonable way to consume uh, content because you just you have so many people that that kind of jump the gun and they forget this is a 162 game season, man. Like, you know how many games that is, everybody? Like that is so many damn games. And the the reality is is that the Reds, if nothing else. Uh, I have two two things to say about this. I think as fans, and I'm guilty of it as much as the next person. Um, hell, I did it with a, I did it with De La Cruz when he came up after the first week and a half, and I don't know how you could fault anybody for doing what I did. Which is, you see the best version of your player almost at all times until you turn south on them, and then you see the negative side of that player at all times. the The fan very rarely. And I'm not trying to say all of us, but most of us can't see the true version of whatever player it is. They see the best of it. You've seen it with Joey Votto, and you, you, you've seen the worst of it with a guy like, and you know, hey, you can kill us for the day as long as you'd like, but Stuart Fairchild, okay? There's going to be people that, that act like they're the world's worst player and then the world's best player. CES. And, and of course, Marte and Ellie and McLean, those four guys, we want them and we see the best version of what we would like them to be. But there's no guarantee that's what they're going to be. And the Reds had to build some kind of safety valve there. And oh, by the way, my safety valve is not a depth piece for Candelaria. That's why he's number one for me. He's going to play. He's going to play a lot. And my point is, is that they've obviously made the decision that CES is going to be the guy that's going to slot it in as a DH spot. And I'm not suggesting that the Reds are going to trade him. But the other point I'll make, and I'm not, again, I'm not saying trade, trade, trade him. But if we want this franchise to, to, to move and move smart, the stock's high on some of these guys right now. The stock is high on some of these guys right now. And I'm telling you, it doesn't take long for their stock to drop completely off the face of the earth. And I'm telling you, if I told you Tyler Stevenson would have the stock that he has two years ago, you'd sit here and laugh straight in my face and tell me I'm the biggest idiot in the world. So, I'm going to tell you two guys, Nick. That stock is very high, and I'm not saying that you have to trade them, but I'm saying if they did trade them, it wouldn't be the end of the world. You ready for it? 
CES is one of them. Okay? I'm just telling you. And TJ Friedel is another one. And I'm, am I saying they should trade them? No. Hear me clearly. I'm not saying they should trade them. But what I am saying is that if you're Nick Crawl and you're in a position where you feel like, hey, I kind of want to make a splash here. I want to move forward. You look around the room and you think, okay, who's high? Those two guys are, and I'm saying as high as they can get, Nick, but they're pretty damn high, relatively speaking, of where you thought you had them a year and a half ago. I, I don't think you're wrong. I think I would throw Ashcraft in there. I think Ashcraft's the one that that's that's uh, probably stock is as high as it's going to get. Um, CES just feels he's so built for Great American Ballpark that it would be hard. Friedel, I, I, I'm totally with you on that. The problem with the Reds is they don't have another center fielder. Like, they can sign Harrison Friedel, Bader. You could, but you're banking on... I mean, Harrison Bader has not, is pretty terrible against right-handed pitching um so that it's all about how you can replace or replace a guy i honestly think if you're going to go down that route a guy like spencer steers probably a little bit more replaceable than tj friedel for at least 2024 now now obviously steers got a lot more ahead of him um but i'm with you on friedel i i think that his value is never going to be higher but the cost of replacing him is significant it's more significant than half this roster right now, right? Uh, if he plays the way in which we all hope he plays, yes. That's all I'm saying. Well, no, That's all I'm saying. Even not, even not even the way he played. If he plays like league average center field, like if he's a league average hitter, replacing that in playing decent defense in center field is very expensive. Like you, you just don't go out and sign a, a league average hitting center fielder that plays above average defense for nothing. I mean, that's, that's literally close to a, uh, fifteen twenty million dollar player. That's why and the Reds signed Candelario and didn't go sign Teoscar Hernandez. I'm just saying that's also why other teams find value there. Yeah, you're not wrong there. If you're he if wrong. he turns around and he hits two twenty this year, he still might be he still might be a three two and a half win player. You know. Yeah, uh, and and, and by the way, I I have no I I I I feel confident about TJ Friedel. Everyone just relax. I'm not trying to sound the alarm and say, oh, Trace doesn't believe in TJ Friedel. I, I'm, just, I'm just throwing out some pot possibilities that people would, 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 would be shocked about, and I'm saying I wouldn't be shocked because ultimately, and also to be, to be clear, if, if they were to make a trade with TJ Friedel in it, there, there, there also could be a position where you could say, hey, there might be someone coming up. And I don't know enough about the minor leagues, but you know, is there anybody knocking on the door? Like I don't know, is, is Dunn above average defensively or not? I don't know about in center field. I mean, I know Dunn and Hurtabees can play center field. I think you'd probably prefer them in the corner. Um, I would be honest. I don't know enough about them defensively, um, but but I think they they profile better as like that uh, uh, like that Will Benson type that would could play center field, but would probably benefit more in a corner and could be an absolute above average defender in those positions. Um, but yeah, T.J. Friedel doesn't have to perform as well as he did last year to still be a really valuable player for the Reds. I, I agree. And I by the way, if we were to get more likely, by the way, if we were to trade a TJ Friedel, it would be for like straight up one, one, one-on-one -on -one swap with a guy like Bieber is what I'm getting after. Like this isn't instead of going out and having to feel like you got to give up two prospects that are high level prospects, you're, you're giving up somebody that you could say is on the high end of their, the high end of their value peak. Um, I don't know, maybe like Scooter Jeanette after his all-star season or something. 
Um, all right. You have anything else to add here on the uh, the, the the recap before? I'm, I promise myself I'm not talking about India that long. You have it on the rundown. We'll talk about him. Do you want to get into him now? I mean, there's news every week on this guy. It's like the only news. Uh, the, the India is more than just India. It's more the whole uh, roster construction now with Candelario. It kind of goes goes hand in hand. But I'll just read this from from our guy, Charlie Goldsmith. Uh, Nick Crawl said the 2021 and 2023 Reds offense is tailed off down the stretch with more depth and experience in Candelario. The Reds address that and upgrade the lineup. Uh, Steer will play a lot more in the outfield. India will also work in the outfield in the spring while also playing first and second base. So been asking for India in the outfield for a long time. Looks like we might actually have it barring a trade before spring. Yeah, I also thought it was cute of them to add in second base at the very end. That was nice of them. That was like the old move. I mean, that was like the old move you make when you're a parent, you know, and you tell your kids like, uh, "Oh, yeah, we're gonna go do X, Y," and then you throw in Z just to make them feel like there's a chance that Z might happen, just to make sure that you get the best effort out of them for X and Y. That's what that was. That was really cute of them. Um, if guys get hurt, yeah, by all means. But anyway. Um, I, I tell you what I'm going to do right now with India, and I'm going to do it until something happens. I'm just going to plead the fifth on the whole thing because until the Reds decide to make a move about this, it's irrelevant. I don't want to say it's irrelevant talking about it, but we've beat this horse so damn bad that it's like, we got to know what the Reds want to do. If, if, the, if, the, if the Reds want to have depth and they want to keep him and they're not worried about losing the, the opportunity of getting some prospects, prospects back in return, so be it. And also, let's be clear about this as well. I do think there's a chance there is a team that will overpay. When do they overpay, Nick? When do teams overpay? You know this? When I know desperate. this. When they're desperate. When they're and, desperate. And they're going to be desperate at the deadline because the way that the new rules are and the way that the MLB is, there's no doubt that each year there's going to be teams in the hunt, in the race, that, that haven't been in the race as of late or not for a while. Uh, the fans start, you know, screaming and yelling on social media about how we need to go get this why or this player, this player. Maybe India will be a part of those talks at some point, and then you'll get better return than just trying to figure out what you're going to do with him in the off season. I, I'm I'm done with it. I'm like, if he stays, great. If he does, if he goes, so be it. <sighs> Moving along this list relatively quickly here. Uh, latest. Uh, whoa, hold up. Go ahead. Hold what do you got up. for India? Can I see something about this? Uh, Please do. So I, I see a lot about the Reds have so many infielders. I think the Reds only have three good infielders. Like, I think the Reds have three infielders. Novi Marte, Ellie De La Cruz, Matt McClain. They're the only three infielders that are good defensively. Spencer Steer is not a good defensive infielder. Jonathan India is not a good defensive infielder. Uh, Christian Encarnacion and Strand can pretty much only play first base in DH. I, like there's actually more outfielders if we're calling Steer an outfielder now, and we're calling, I guess, India an outfielder. Um, so I, I, I don't, I just don't think they have too much. I mean, I guess Candelario is now an infielder, so there's four. But, uh, but yeah, it's not, it's not as much of an influx there as as I, I think. But again, on India, you could trade this guy at any point. You could also trade him, Trace, at the uh, in spring training. I mean, there could be an injury to someone in spring training. Um, yeah, there's just there's no point to uh, take pennies on the dollar for him right now. I, I saw some people 
you know, on Twitter suggesting we'll trade him for a middle reliever. A middle reliever? I mean, this guy could go out and have two great months in April and May and all of a sudden be a highly sought-after player at the trade deadline. Like, yeah. this is not what good organizations do. Good organizations don't sell low, so maybe they can have someone that will just help them just a little bit in the year right in front of them with a the guy with three years of control left. We're not we're not trading Jonathan India for uh, uh, a Derek Law on steroids. Okay, we're not doing that. <laughs> it's like the only reason that Jonathan India has gotten flack on this show and people have become frustrated with him on this show is because defensively he doesn't he just isn't the guy that he needs to be defensively in a position that I deem as important. Okay, I I know we got in a debate and there was a debate on Twitter about what was more what was a more important defensive position, second base or third base, and whatever. I I'll tend to say that it's close, if anything, but I think it's second base. I do um, personally. I think it's not saying it's a harder position to play. I'm saying it's a more important position on the field to play when it comes to turning double plays, and you just you got to have more range playing second base traditionally than you would at third base. Um, but there are there are some third basemen that can make some pretty damn good plays and save doubles and do X Y Z. So I'm not here to debate it. Um, CES could be the main DH. I, I don't see how that's a, a, a debate. Candelario can play first base if Marte struggles or he has a hamstring issue. Which knock on wood, I hope to God that's not the case. But if if that's the case, then he slides over to third base and he plays there every day. And if somebody does get hurt in the infield, there is an easy progression to be able to slide guys around to fix any, any I'm not saying any hole, but any position. I would like to think that if McLean got hurt, that Steer could slide in and play second base a, you know, a decent amount. And listen, Steer's not maybe the world's greatest second baseman. I'm not suggesting that he would be, but he could slide over and play second base. Um, if If... Marte gets hurt, that's an easy solution already there. And if, let's just say it is is Ellie, then I would think that you would move McLean over to shortstop and you'd keep it rolling. So, I don't think it's as crazy as everyone made it out to be. I really don't. And I'm not trying to be a stand for the Reds. I just, it's not, it's not that. And the other thing, last thing I'll say about this is like, the owners and the, the uh, put it this way, the owners will have a better feel for the market than we will ever have when it comes to what these trade, not trade, but what these um, multi-year salaries are actually worth, right? Like, look at Joey Votto's contract, for instance. Like, $20 million a year for a great player? Like, <laughs> what are we talking about? I mean, we just, we're signing Nick Martinez. Like, at, at some point, and again, I'm not suggesting that Shohei Otani's deal is going to be unbelievable in 10 years. You're going to look at it and be like, wow, $700 million. What a deal that is. No, I'm not suggesting that. But I, I do think that we tend to forget sometimes that, hey, three years from now, that might be like, not pennies on the dollar, but that might be a great contract. Um, all right. Latest Reds rumors. The rumors are always my favorite. This is, this is, uh, this was, this is what gets the... Uh, this is what gets the X app moving. This is, I think, what it's ran off of is rumors. Yeah, the only like kind of fresh thing, and this feels recycled also, but Morosi tweeted out today, John Morosi, Reds active on free agent and trade markets as they search for a starting pitcher. 
Shane Bieber is the one name they've checked on via trade. Michael Waka and Lucas Giolito among their free agent options. And uh, Seth Lugo was signed today by the Royals. So one of those starting pitchers off. And Trace, I, I tell you, I would much rather, and I know a lot of people are not going to agree with this, but I would, would much rather the Reds just go out and sign Michael Waka versus giving up a big package for Shane Bieber. Big package, maybe, yes. Just it all comes back to what exactly are they asking for us to give up and what are we getting in return? And unfortunately, we do a show that we would like to sit here and have fun and speculate and, you know, throw names against a wall and sit here and debate which one would be better. And I mean, that would probably make for maybe better sports talk. And I guess at the end of the day, that's somewhat what this is. But I think some people enjoy this show too, kind of. Just because you you're you're sitting around you're sitting around the table or you're sitting around a bar drinking beer with your friends and you can actually have reasonable conversation about this. So I'm not gonna even really try to get on the whole huge speculation thing either. I'll say this as a fan. Fan first, business person trying to look at it from the eyes of a general manager second. I would really love a top end front end starter going into twenty twenty four. Um it would give me extreme confidence, if if you will. Like it would give me confidence on opening day that that we we have every bit of a chance to win the NL Central as anybody else. And maybe it's fool's gold into thinking that just one front end starter would be that. But that's kind of where my brain is a little bit with this. I gotta be honest. And the other part of it is I've said thousands of times and I keep regurgitating myself on the same points is that a lot of this comes down to whether or not we get the same guys we think we're going to get. And uh, that's to be determined. That's the fun part of, I guess, of 2024 is to figure out if, if these young guys are going to take a step forward or a step back, are they going to stay the same? And if they stay the same, to be honest with you, that's pretty damn good for most of them. And I think Ellie will take a big step forward, uh, or at least we all hope. And if he doesn't, then, then you know, hopefully he gets on base just enough to, to steal a bunch of bags and make a difference that way. But I don't know how you feel about it, Nick. I know you're a prospect guy. You don't want to give up anybody, but if they have to give up maybe somebody that's that's Cam Collier's of the world, and I know, I get it. In six years, I might be killing myself. Five years, I might be kicking myself. The buy, I guess uh, the, the holiday season when you want to go out and buy stuff because you're, you're in the mood and they, uh, they got all the commercials going and it's the, the holiday sales and this, the Black Friday sales. Maybe I'm in a in a little bit of a weird psychological mindset right now. It's like, hey, let's let's just do it. You only live once, man. But um, you just you, you have you. Where where are you at with it? What what would it take for you to get Glass now? Bieber, Cease, and trade him for prospects. Uh, let me let me say this because I'm I'm not a go out and spend a ton of money on like a Blake Snell type. I'd rather they go sign a potential bad contract in Blake Snell than be giving away prospects. I feel like people are letting the Reds off the hook by saying, go trade for Shane Bieber. Like, no, just spend the money on Michael Waka. Uh, it's just money. Like, like, you've invested so much into building up this pipeline. And the difference in Michael Waka and Shane Bieber might not really be all that much. In fact, Michael Walker pitched better than Shane Bieber did last year. Now, can he repeat that? I don't know, but I'd be willing to take that risk versus 
giving away prospects uh, uh, for for Bieber. Um, and and Walk has been a durable pitcher too. And I know a lot of people have mentioned Stroman. I Stroman would be right there. My guess is just the fact that we've heard no Stroman rumors whatsoever is that he's just made it pretty clear and he doesn't want to go to the Reds. Um, and, and that would make sense for him because he is a guy that is probably looking to reestablish his value and sign another contract. So I would totally understand why like Marcus Stroman wouldn't want to go pitch in, in Cincinnati. Um, but yeah, he would be right there. Uh, Giolito, uh, I, I like Waka more. Um, but Giolito, I mean, look, you just you need more arms. Um, and I, I don't know, maybe, maybe a lot of it also is, is I have a more of a belief in Hunter green than others to where I think Hunter Green's going to take that leap next year. And he's going to be that front end in, in guy. But I, I don't know. I, I haven't really heard specific packages for Bieber, but when you're talking giving up like Connor Phillips for Tyler glass now, like, would you, I, I just, I can't even fathom why, how I'd rather have, Tyler Glass now over Michael Walker and Connor Phillips. I mean, listen, I'm not trying to sound like the guy because listen, I, um, you're just not going to be able to convince me that Michael Walker is, is just as valuable as is uh, as as a, possibly a Bieber. And you know what, Bieber is the closest one I would agree with you on, but certainly Glass now. And Glass now, the only people are going to think that everyone's going to scream about with him is durability. That's fair, but. It's a big but. There's something to be said that if you get into the postseason, it's it, it's irrelevant. Like if you have if if they're available, those guys are in a whole nother league of their own. To where when you start getting into the you, the cream rises to the top, though those the, the, those little margins that we're talking about that might not seem like as big of a deal over 162. They make a pretty damn big deal in the uh, over the course of a five game series, um, three game set. So, and trust me, I'm with you, Nick. You, 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 and you, you could say, hey, Tyler Glass now could go throw and beat nails all year long, and then he pitches in the the three game series for the wild card round, and he and he shits the bed and gives up seven runs. I mean, that's possible too, but that's just part of the fickle nature that is baseball when it comes to the postseason. But uh, Dylan Cease is another guy, and I know that that's probably not going to happen based off the fact that he has two years of control, and you know the White Sox feel like they have huge leverage in that situation, and they've already asked for maybe a little too much already. Um, I don't know. We'll see. Is there a chance? I'm just throw out a hypothetical. Is there a chance where? And people are going to hate hate the Reds for this. That you want to talk about people being pissed off. Is there a chance they hold Pat? If they don't get what they want, and they're like, you know what? If we get halfway through this season, we are going to spend the money. We are going to spend the money, and we are going to go out and try to trade and get a top of the line front end starter if there is, if whoever it may be, and overpay for them because we know at that point we're there. We've arrived. Is there any doubt in this front office's mind that they've not arrived? and they don't want to overextend themselves for a one-year or a one- or two-year deal based off their their overall roster? That's, again, the million-dollar question. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's possible, especially if, you know, you get to the trade deadline and, like, the Reds, like, postseason probabilities, like, over 75% or something. I mean, you're a little closer to the finish line. Maybe you will. I, I just, I don't know. I look at this as... 
how many more wins is Shane Bieber going to give me than Michael Walker? I think if you use any like projection system, you're probably talking one, two maximum. Am I really going to trade away? You're probably looking at two valuable prospects. That's 12 years of control for one or two more wins. That's that's how you have to view this, uh, and that's how most of these small market teams do view this, and I think that's how the Reds should view it. I'm not, I'm not completely against acquiring Shane Bieber, but it's going to have to be the right deal. It's, you, you're going to have to make sure... Sh- Reds are really going to have to trust their own self-evaluations of these prospects because you can't miss on this. You can't miss on these kind of deals. You, you do, it's going to set you back. And, uh, you know, I, I know people think we have so many prospects right now, and we do. We have a great system, but it can it can flip soon. And the Reds are not in a situation where they have so many prospects that they have to deal them right now. Like Edwin Arroyo, you can let him just keep developing through the minors, and if, you, if everything works out perfect and you have no spot for Edwin Arroyo in two years, then, yeah, you maybe you have a force to trade him but you're not even anywhere close to that ballpark right now. Yeah. I don't know where I listen. The, the, the cease is the one that I keep. I don't know, man, that guy, give me Dylan cease, and give me Dylan cease. And, and you'd say, Hey, it costs you, it costs you Rhett louder and cam Collier. I, 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 I guess I, I'll, I'll bite the bullet and I'll just tell you I'm taking it. I'm taking it because too many times, Put it this way, it only really takes, in my opinion, one of those guys to not pan out for that trade to be a really a really advantageous trade for the Reds in the position that they're in, at least in my opinion. The second part of this is, is that, you know, yes, you say, Nick, six years, and that is true, but if we, looked at, if we look at a guy like, um, like our best case example, right, our perfect example would be like, uh, like let's say Ellie. Like, okay, we already used a year of Ellie, right? Um, this this upcoming year, we're not 100% sure. He's still not full. He's not full Max Ellie. So then you're left with four years. Let's say you have two good years of him. And then after that, you start getting yourself in a position of, okay, well, what are we going to do with this guy? He's costing us a lot in arbitration. Are we going to end up trading him to get as much back in return as we can? So out of those six years, how many years of Cam Collier are you really going to miss out on? If he is a superstar, maybe it's three years. And you could argue, yeah, three years of, of Cam Collier is better than two years of Dylan Cease. And again, to be clear, I don't know what the deals are. But I'm just openly saying to everybody, I I mean, Dylan Cease, it was, I think, if I, and I don't have it in front of me, but he's a six-win player a couple years ago. And yes, he, that was the best year he's ever had. I'm using that as an example. But, hey, he's also was relatively you know consistent when it comes to innings as well. He, he's... This is a damn good arm. I, I'm almost more willing to go, if you're going to go and give up a bunch of prospects, I'm almost more willing to go with Cease than doing it for Bieber, who is a guy that does have some red flags. Um, and Glass now obviously has some red flags also and also only has one year of control. But that's that. Both those guys only have one year of control. That, that's the kind of thing where if I'm going to give up prospects, at least I'm getting a... If I'm giving up prospects that really hurt, at least I'm giving that up. But... I don't know. I mean, the way that we view some of these guys is is how Matt McClain was viewed a couple years ago. And could you imagine if you know you traded Matt McClain for one year of a pitcher a couple years ago? That would hurt, right? And again, maybe Edwin Arroyo or Cam Collier turn out to be nothing. 
but maybe they do. And you give up a player that that's really, really good. And, uh, and those kind of things can set your franchise back. Well, for every Matt McClain, there might be an Austin Hendricks. I mean, yeah, there's, trust me, we can go down the line. There's duds. We can find some duds. Yeah. Like milk. It's hard duds. to know though. Now it's hard to know who's. It doing. is. I mean, it's a it's, it's risk reward. Why would it, well, put it this way? Why would a franchise give away a Cy Young potential winner for a bag of balls? They're not going to. One one question was uh, why are the Reds so willing to just throw anyone in the outfield? Like it has India like India has ever played outfield? I think Nick and I are on the same page with this. We're tired. We're sick and tired of Reds being pretty bad defensively. Um. And I, I think it's a great point, to be honest. And we've already seen it with them, with some other players that probably you could argue weren't fun to watch in the outfield. And the concern I have with putting Jonathan India in the outfield is Nick Senzel was unbelievably athletic, and it took him a little bit of time to adjust, and he still wasn't great. <laughs> I don't... I don't want to say I don't want to know, but I kind of don't want to know what Jonathan India quite looks like out there. But if that's what it takes, then that's what it takes, and maybe maybe he'll be av- decent. I don't know. But to answer your question, Maxwell, that's really the only other spot they can try to figure out if it works at. Kind of like, uh, I'm not saying they're shooting their last shot, but that's kind of what it feels like, Nick. Well, in Spencer Sears' case, he was awful defensively. He might be worse in the infield than Jonathan India. Uh, the, the numbers say he was absolutely terrible at third base. Um, we didn't really get a whole lot of data at, at second base, but he was even worse at first base. Um, I thought Sear looked fine in the outfield for his first year. I think he can develop at least to a average outfielder. Jonathan India, I'm with you, like what? he can't play second base. He can't be any worse. Your hope is I feel really good that, that Marte, De La Cruz, McLean, your second base through through uh, uh, third base is going to be above average and is going to continue to get better and better and better and can really be a strength for this team defensively. And Candelaria, if he's playing first base, I think he can at least be an average first baseman. No disrespect to Joey Votto and Spencer Steer. They were bad first basemen defensively. So I think you've improved a lot of those places. And then TJ Friedel now is the everyday guy in center field. He wasn't going into last year, and he is an above average center fielder. So you you have quite a bit of of above average players that I think you hope that 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 they can you know get by with that. But I don't know. I, I could see. I could honestly see Jonathan India Trace if he stays with the Reds all year and they play mostly in the outfield and a little bit of DH. I could see him being a decent outfielder. I I have. I could also see him being terrible. I have no idea what to expect. I just know it can't be worse than second base. Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, be be careful what you say there, boss. Be careful. Um, I'm not suggesting for a opening, second that I'm rooting for day, it. Opening day drop. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I, I, boy, I'll tell you what, man. Um, it's the holiday season. I am going to say nice things about Jonathan India. I think I think that he can be a great hitter. I think he can be a great hitter. And by great hitter, I mean just a little bit above league average. Uh, which is which is a good hitter. I mean, I'm not downplaying that. Well, thank you for joining us for today's episode of Chatterbox Reds. We can't tell you enough how much we appreciate your support. If you had not yet subscribed to Chatterbox Reds on your favorite podcast platform, what are you waiting for? Do it right now. During spring training and the regular season, 
We are the only Reds podcast to have new episodes after every single game. And we will have plenty of offseason coverage between now and then, so be sure to stay tuned. Also, make sure that you subscribe to Chatterbox Sports on YouTube so that you can join us for live episodes of Chatterbox Reds. Hit the bell and turn on notifications so you can get alerts on your phone whenever we go live. Before I let you go, I wanted to tell you about all of the other great content at Chatterbox Sports. First off, there's our flagship show, Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman, from 10 a.m. to noon, Monday through Friday on YouTube, of course, on Chatterbox Sports. Off the Bench is also available everywhere you get podcasts. Great podcast listen uh, for your drive home, as it's usually posted uh, by 1 or 2 in the afternoon every day. Then there's Chatterbox Bengals. They go live after every single Bengals game. Similar fashion to what we do at Chatterbox Reds. Those guys are doing a great job covering the Bengals this season. Speaking of the Bengals, there is Chatterbox Clicker with Coach Kyle Kasky, former Bengals coach. That is every Tuesday night. Coach Kasky breaks down film from the latest Bengals game in a very innovative show on Chatterbox Sports that you do not want to miss. And if that's not enough to fill your NFL fix, there's Mac and JT. That is Wednesday nights on Chatterbox Sports on YouTube. Uh, That is all things NFL. They go through each and every game. And then our newest show, Chatterbox Bearcats. That is with host Charlie Walter, formerly of Reds Live. Covers all things UC sports. They are going live on YouTube after every single UC basketball game. So that's, of course, on Chatterbox Sports on YouTube. Chatterbox Bearcats is also available everywhere you get podcasts. Links to all those shows are in the episode notes today, so be sure to check them out. Give those guys the support that they deserve. Well, thank you so much for tuning in today. Hope that you have a fantastic day, and as always, go Reds.